Hi, it's Dan, and I just want to thank everybody so far who's listened to the show. We have listeners from all over the United States and actually from all over the world. It's picking up speed. We're really, really grateful for those of you who are listening. If you're listening to this message, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. You can leave a review. You can suggest possible titles that you'd like us to cover. You can also follow us on Twitter, right? Our handle is at 15minutefilm. That's at 15minfilm. And you could also support the show by making a small monthly donation through Anchor. And the way that works is that um, when we get enough money, we'll start buying new equipment. We'll do everything we can to give you the best experience. If you're willing to donate, we will call you and we will leave a recorded message on your voicemail or wherever you like in any of the silly characters we've done on the show, including Bane, Sean Connery, any others, any others that come up today. Dan Marlon Brando. I, I, I will leave you a voicemail that will be the greatest voicemail you've ever heard. Most voicemail I've got from you. Thanks for listening. Hi, welcome to 15-Minute Film Fanatics, a podcast where two friends sit down and have a conversation about a movie they love that they've never talked about before. I'm Dan. I'm Mike. And this week we're going to talk about From Russia with Love. The second James Bond movie came out in 1963. We're doing this in honor of um, the Bond 25, which is coming out, Daniel Craig's No Time to Die, which Mike, I think should just, it, it should have been just titled Bond 25. I don't know. They, they can put Daniel Craig as Bond, whatever. I'd probably watch it. Yeah, me too. But I just, I just love the title. So um, this is the second one. Mike, I read that this was the last movie JFK saw. That's wild. Yeah, he had a screening in the White House because, as everyone knows, he was a big 007 fan, as are we. And this was the last movie he saw, so I thought that was an interesting fact there. So um, I thought we would start today with I'm going to give you a little kind of like a Rorschach test. Go for it. Of Bonds, I'm going to go through the Bonds, and we're going to talk. Now we, you know, spoiler alert: we know this is everyone's favorite parlor game. This is a big argument: who's the best Bond? So don't get mad at us if we don't like your James Bond, or you could tweet us and and tell us where we're right or tell us where we're wrong at. One five M I N film. If Flazenby is your favorite Bond, you might want to turn this off. Okay, here we go. I'm going to start with you, Mike. You ready? I'll start. Sean Connery made seven Bond movies. Go. Absolutely the best. If not, I don't. The the example for all other Bonds to follow. Okay. Um, one quick note is uh, originally Ian Fleming didn't think that Connery would be a good Bond. That thought is he true. was too tall. Thought he looked gawky. And once he had seen the first two films by the time that they made Goldfinger even Ian Fleming said exactly how I feel about Connery which is I cannot imagine anybody else playing this character yeah he wanted David Niven right and um it was it actually and I just I was looking in uh Ian Fleming's biography it was uh I forgot her name but some woman told Ian Fleming no like this guy's really good looking like he'd be a great James Bond and he was like really so that's how he got that one all right George Lazenby Nah, <clears throat> I know everyone loves the loves Iron Man. Secret Service. I don't know why people. I think it's because his wife gets killed, and and uh, but I, I think the scenes with Telly Savalas are just kind of weak, and I don't know. I don't want to rain on somebody's parade. Watch parade. the Fugitive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Roger Moore. Funny. Uh, I find him very charming. I mean, if if you're not going to get Sean Connery, then uh, it, there's that scene where um, where Roger Moore uh, keeps uh, shooting at the guy's crotch with the rifle, and he goes, "Oh, oh it's an inchula." Um, that's the kind of gag that he could that he could pull off. When I was younger, Roger Moore was my favorite Bond, and I never understood why people older than me, like my father and my uncles, kept saying, "No, no, Sean Connery's the better Bond." And as I, when I was a kid, I'm like, "What are you talking about? Roger Moore's so much better." And now I've kind of flipped on that. And it's funny that you said that because I think Roger Moore appealed to my more uh, 
my, my juvenile idea of what I I'm, think it might have been also there's a different quality about the filming in the original yeah, Connery movie. Right. So it might have been that when you were watching in the 80s yeah. that the Roger Moore movies looked yeah. more up to date. On my new VHSs, yeah. right? Okay. Um, Timothy Dalton. Nah. Nah, just nothing? No. I have no, re I have no reaction to Timothy Dalton as Bond. I don't buy it. I buy it about as much as I buy Pierce Brosnan as, as Bond. Okay. I don't mind Timothy Dalton. And I also don't mind Pierce Brosnan. Really? I, I saw um, – Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, you know, about a, a year is ago. Is that the one with Halle Berry? No. This is where um, Jonathan Price is the bad guy. Oh. And it wasn't like, it wasn't, it was one of those things. We don't have a word for this yet. We'll have to save this for a special episode where you go into a movie with really low expectations. <laughs> and because it's not terrible, you're like, best movie ever. So maybe that's what it was. But, I, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mind Pierce Brosnan. I think that Pierce Brosnan is maybe even a little uh, too polished. I, I don't buy it. So there's, um you know, there's that scene where they don't, they don't put Vesper or a Vesper like yeah. character in any of the Pierce Brosnan movies, but there's one who it's, it's implied that James Bond's in love with her and then he's got a killer at the yeah. end. Um, I, I don't buy it. Okay. All right. And last Daniel Craig. I no. think, okay. So I think that Connery played movie Bond the best, but the reason that the Daniel Craig movies are so good and I either put him second or tied for first place is that he really plays the bond from the books. The truth is that the bond from the books uh, has a dark past, does not connect to people, um, really doesn't mind killing people uh, and is good at it and has, a, has a psychological layering that doesn't, that it would be inconceivable for any other actor. So let me, let me make a point. Good. When he's uh, captured by Le Chiffre and he's tortured in Casino Royale, which is straight out of the books. Can you imagine Roger Moore sitting there and getting uh, rope whipped yeah. and tortured, uh -huh. um, you know, beat, beaten almost naked? Right. But you see that Daniel... Okay, so you always imagine that you could be a secret agent. You're like, if they gave me that briefcase and that... What, do you, mean, do, what do you mean imagine? Uh, but Daniel, Daniel Craig shows you as James Bond why tied up, he's just tougher than you because mm -hmm. you you know that you'd crack in the first 30 seconds you'd be like here's the code here's the password take the girl do it to julia you know <laughs> not not me do it to julia. <laughs> daniel craig never cracks that's true he would not scream do it to julia and it's it's also when you were saying that it's that daniel craig is a much more he's he's a humorless bond in the way that part of the appeal of sean connery and certainly the appeal of roger moore is their their wisecracks Mm -hmm. And, you know, in the beginning of Goldfinger, he's like, shocking, right. shocking. Or at the end, I'm sorry. Um, but certainly, uh, you, Daniel Craig, you don't you don't think of him making wisecracks about what he does in his job as you watch the Daniel Craig movies. No, the, I think the point is, you know, in, in that first scene in Casino Royale where he's going to make his second kill and that, you know, he's going to get his, his yeah. double O, you know, the, the guy is trying to tease him and saying that the second one is much easier and he doesn't even let him finish the joke. He just kills him. It occurred to me watching the, so we, we go back for a second to, um, to from Russia with love in the opening scene where, where Sean Connery is quote unquote killed and they, they peel off his face. Well, that of course makes all of us think about mission impossible. And it, it made me think about the difference between the mission impossible movies and the James Bond movies, right? The difference between Tom Cruise as, a, 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 which I think is like the American version Yes. Of, of espionage and that I think Daniel Craig is an interesting um, actor because he straddles the world of Ethan Hunt and um, and uh, James Bond because um, Daniel Craig's like he's like kind of like an action hero in a lot like the beginning of Casino Royale I, right I was gonna say I, and Sean Connery you can't imagine him running up those girls and that's not his job his job is to play in the casino and smoke you took the words out of my mouth because you know we talked in our episode about the Dark Knight Rises 
about how hard it looks to be Batman. Yeah. And it's this, it's the same thing with James Bond. Is like I thought I, I I thought I had a watch that explodes, you know, or, or a pen that chews a poison dart. I didn't know I had to do a high intensity interval <laughs> right. training right. in right. order to catch a bad guy. Right. And in, in the, the Mission Impossible movies, they keep topping themselves because they're all about high intensity training. Like in the last one, he's in that helicopter for forty five minutes and things are running through, the, like are climbing up the Burj Khalifa with the sunshine cups <laughs> and things like that. Like you can't imagine Sean Connery doing that, but you can imagine Daniel Craig doing it, but not as much or not as over the top as the Mission Impossible movies are. So in the second segment, we usually talk about a key scene or a revealing moment. I think this week, covering from Russia with Love, we want to talk about our biggest Bond moment. Do you have a Bond moment that you want to talk about? Sure, and the movie is filled with them. My Bond moment watching it this time is when Bond gets the mission to uh, meet up with Tanya, and he says to M, um, suppose when she meets me in the flesh, I don't, come up to, I, I don't come up to expectations. And M says, just see that you do. Now, that's a great moment because James Bond never doubts that he will come up to expectations. He knows damn well he's going to come up to the expectations. So it's a fake, it's fake, um, you know, self-deprecating humor. And the thing that struck me this time about Bond and what makes him so great is that he's all confidence. He's all confidence. And the other moment that tied into this is I think it's hilarious how um, the, you, we all love the music, right? We all love that music. You forget that there's moments where the music starts playing at full volume when he's like walking into a hotel, or just driving a car. So you see him walk into a lobby, you're like, dun, 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 dun. Now, usually that would be reserved for like an action hero or, or like um, we said in Mission Impossible. You only get to hear the Mission Impossible music when he's on top of the moving train, not when he's like having breakfast. But here, he wakes up and his first job when he wakes up is to be James Bond. Like how about when he kills Robert Shaw? The first thing he does, first thing he does, do you remember what he does? Yeah. Fixes his tie and buttons his sport coat. <laughs> The first thing he does. So I think that um, to, to especially if you're like a, a gawky, indoorsy, uh, you know, guy like we are, you know, being raised by movies in front of your TV, to watch somebody put on an air of that much confidence, I think that that is what the Bond character is all about. I, I have to also say that my Bond moment is when he's held at gunpoint by Robert Shaw in the in the cabin, and he's about to kill him, and Robert Shaw with that weird high-pitched voice. Like, again, what's it with these villains and their high-pitched voices? Just like, they're like, I'm going to kill you, old man. And uh, in order to distract him, like just before he pulls the trigger, he's like, how about 25 gold shovels? And it, it pulls him out of the briefcase. Right. And my favorite thing about this, about this briefcase, as opposed to other movies, it's, it's not like a sniper rifle hidden in a telescope or a tie pen. It's just a sniper rifle that's in the briefcase <laughs> that, that's collapsible um, so that he can do the, yeah. the, he can do the smoke grenade. So yeah, I thought it was funny that Spectre, you know, trained somebody strenuously over the course of nine months. At only Spectre to, Camp. Remember there's Spectre at Camp. At Spectre Camp, only to kill this one guy. They're so committed to it that they put masks on people so that he'll know to strangle the right guy for whatever reason. And then he stopped by, by what, money. whatever the equivalent of 25 gold sovereigns is. Yeah. But remember that Bond knew because Bond's all covered. He knew that you do not order red wine with fish. That was that's a great moment, right? And also, you know, back to that thing. You, I also forgot that on the train. What's great is that Bond and Tanya have to pretend they're Mister and Mrs. Somerset. Remember that? And it occurred to me, I'm like, oh my god, like they're pretending that they're that they're the viewer. <laughs> like Bond is pretending that he's me. <laughs> like I'm Mister Somerset, all excited to be on my holiday on the on the train. <laughs> but of course, like that's work for him to pretend to be that dull. Yeah, and then Robert tries to drug her, and she's just over. <laughs> she must be overexcited, <laughs> overexcited about the fish. Absolutely, those are great, great Bond moments. All right, see you in the next segment. 
We're going to pause here because we just want to tell you something. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. The first point is it's free. Yeah. Second, they have all the tools that you need to create, record, and edit your podcast right on your phone or your laptop. Third, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many other places. You pick up sponsorships, you can make money from your podcast, and there's no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Always be closing, Mike. Always be closing. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. So in our third segment, we like to talk about the ending or any big takeaways. Dan, I know you had something you want to start with. Sure. Well, first, it, watching this reminded me of how spot on Mike Myers is in the Austin Power movies. They're unbelievable. I mean, not only are they just funny, but, um, you know, when, when they when they come back, when Cleb and Kronstein, when number three and number five come up before Blofeld, he has to kill he has to kill number five. Which is sitting I mean, Mike Myers had that had that spot on. That was the first thing I noticed watching this. How about you? What, what did you make of the ending? So. The thing that I love about the ending is that Tanya's been playing that game the whole movie where she, you know, he says, uh, who are you working for? You know, and she goes, when we get to London, I'll tell you, because she's actually, she thinks she's a Russian double agent, Um, but that she's actually gone undercover. So to, you know, to tie back to your moment before, it's not just confidence that, that Bond has that, you know, when she's trying to decide who to kill. It's like in in a bad movie where someone is fighting their clone or their evil twin and you're not, and they're, they're undecided. And finally, you know, she chooses to literally be seduced by the West. Yes. Um, I thought that that is, is a great classic Bond moment. You know, at the end of the book, um, I was reading that when Fleming wrote the first draft of the book, Kleb gets Bond in the leg with her poison shoe knife and Bond collapses on the floor. And that's how he was going to leave it. He was going to leave the ending ambiguous about whether Bond lives or dies. I mean, maybe to avoid uh, what he already saw happening to, you know, to Arthur Conan Doyle, when he kind of become this, yeah. this machine for cranking out this character. But then he changed it. And that's I've, that's unthinkable now to imagine Sean Connery in, in a lump on the floor, or any of the Bonds, even even um, Timothy Dalton in a, in a hump on the floor, in, in a bump on the floor and, um, and you not knowing what happened. I think that there's a logic to the movies to give the people what they want. So the big difference between the movies and the books for me is I I started to read uh, in preparation for the podcast. I read the first chapter of Goldfinger uh, to try to see if I could swallow the books. They're they're god awful. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and the the difference between the two is in the beginning of Goldfinger, you're inside James Bond's head as he reflects on this Mexican assassin that he just killed. Whereas, you know, in the beginning of Casino Royale, there's the wrestling match in the men's room Uh and they're tearing it apart and beating each other over their head in sinks and finally drowns the guy. That's the way that you start a book. And that's also the way that you end a movie, I think, versus a book. Yeah. And also remember that in the beginning of Casino Royale, it's the perfect MacGuffin because you don't even know what the bag is. You don't even know what he's chasing the guy for. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Right. Um, It's funny what you said about the books and not to, not to rain on someone's parade. We, you know, I said before, you know, JFK loved the books. I know a lot of people love the books. Um, I've read Casino Royale. I've read The Man with the Golden Gun. Um, I tried to read Moonraker and it's funny, like, it's it's hard to describe sentence to sentence to sentence. The books don't don't really work. They're clumsy. It, it, they don't seem like the, the the form of a James Bond novel matches the content of someone as cool as James Bond. Because there's an elegance, I think, to vision and to the surface of, of James Bond that's necessary. And that's what I like about Daniel Craig, which is he brings, I think, a lot of the iciness of the Bond character from the books. But again, done with a 
supremely elegant and smooth vision yeah. that's made in the films. Yeah, and I don't mean to, to you know, to, to certainly uh, who am I to sit here dismiss, you know, um, Ian Fleming, but it's fascinating to me that a guy invented this world where James Bond, even if that world turns out to be better than the actual novels from which it's written, and it's a it's a cliche to say, oh, the, you know, the book's always better, but I think in James Bond, it's a total case for the movie's you, much better. If you pinned me to a slab and had a laser slowly going up at my crotch, <laughs> I wouldn't read those yeah, books. Yeah, right, you wouldn't read that book. But of course, when Sean Connery's there, it's, you're like, oh, it makes Dude. perfect sense. Do you expect me to read Goldfinger? No, I expect you to die. Hi, it's Dan. Mike and I are having a great time recording this show. I'm going to try to speak slowly now because I know I talk very quickly when I get excited about the movies. We're really, really grateful that people have downloaded the show, that they're listening to it. And I just want to remind everybody of different ways you could help out the show. First, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please leave us a review. That's really, really important. Another thing you could do is follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter address is at 15minfilm. And you could tweet us movie ideas, things you want us to cover on the show. That'd be really great. Another thing you could do is that on every episode description, there's a link to the show's website on Anchor, and you could leave us a voicemail. So if you don't want to go on Twitter, you want to leave us a voicemail, that would be great too. And also on those um, Anchor descriptions, you can get a link to support the show by making a small monthly donation. And if you do that, Mike and I are going to wait till we get enough monthly donations, and we want to buy more equipment. We're not going to do any money laundering or go on any uh, exotic trips. We just want to try to get the best equipment we can so the show can sound the best that it can. We're really having a great time doing this. It's really taken off. So thank you to everyone who's listened. And give us some movie ideas. Bye-bye.